0: He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out...
1: Who cares?
0: I care. It's true. She cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master Anthony Ballotta. She's his Agent 99 and you're about to be bellotta Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bologdified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bologda, and I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postalini. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) What's on your mind today?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I have a lot of things on my mind, but kind of today I want to know what's on your mind first. Oh, right, please go first. It's your turn.
0: All right. Well, um, this morning, I actually woke up thinking about the song. Maybe you know it. It's Release Me. It was written in 1949 <sighs> yes. by Eddie Miller, Robert Yount, and Dub Williams. It was made a hit in 1967 by Engelbert Humperdinck. Yes. Please release me. Let me go. And I thought. <laughs> Let's get tipsy. <laughs> Placing holds on space and time are common practices within the industry, especially when securing creative services. What is less common is the practice of releasing those holes that don't pan out. Given the sometimes frenetic pace we experience and the need to sometimes offer up a variety of options, it may seem easier, even unnecessary, to advise those who are holding time and space for us when it's clear we no longer need them. After all, they'll come to learn the date in question isn't happening eventually, right? Mm -hmm. But releasing holds that we've secured when business doesn't pan out is as important as placing them. It signifies a respect for time and all efforts expended on our behalf, enables the search for other opportunities, and most importantly, ensures that future requests for holds of time, space, and talents that we make are taken seriously. And that's my tipsy.
1: I love it. And that is not only a good tip, it can mean the difference between wedded bliss, believe it or not, and lonely spinsterhood. What? I know it's a, it's a stretch, you might think, but I woke up thinking. He says, Gami ven anemegniote.
0: Okay, that has got to be bad because the look on your face as you were saying that <laughs> was not pleasant. What does that mean?
1: Funerals and weddings don't mix.
0: Oh, it's... I I totally agree.
1: Okay, well, it, it, it I mean it, it's true. It's again far fetched, but it, it really isn't. So we talked a lot about my yaya Many, right? Yes. Well, what we don't talk about, who is rarely mentioned in our family, is her sister Cleoniki. Now, the Cleo- reason we don't talk about Cleo- Cleoniki, Niki, Cleo-Niki.
0: Niki. sorry. <laughs>
1: no, that's good. Now that's going to be in my head all day. Um, the reason we don't talk much about her is because she was a spinster, but it's not because she was a spinster. It's the reason why oh. she was a spinster. So um, Cleoniki was on her way to the church the day that she was getting married, right? And a funeral hearse passed by the car. She was riding and on her way to the church to get married. Now, Greek superstition says that if you see a funeral on your way to the church, the day you are getting married, you need to turn around, go home, call a priest, and tell him to expect you another day. Of course. Did Cleoniki do this?
0: I'm Ooh. thinking no.
1: No. She refused in spite of her father's <laughs> anguish begging. So they arrived at the church but the groom, having seen the same hearse, turned around and went home fully expecting that Cleoniki would have called the priest. That wasn't bad enough. One of the altar boys spilled some of the holy water, causing the priest to slip and break his hip. And in his pains, he yelled out the curse, the ise ya. Which means? You'll be single the rest of your life.
0: <gasps>
1: and she was. Was. Now, you're probably wanting to ask me, where was Yaya in all this?
0: Uh-huh. Where was Yaya in all well, this? Well, because
1: Yaya fixes. Yeah, where was she? Was, this was one that even Yaya couldn't fix. Mm-hmm. She had nothing in her bag of tricks for this one.
0: Oh, my Lord. Poor Cleoniki. She was just thrown to the wolves then. She There's was. no marriage for you. No marriage. And that's a good lesson because even Yaya's powers have a limit
1: couldn't fix releasing the hold of the priest
0: right release those holds people release those
1: holds
0: (laughs) okay before we get started if you're a new listener please take this time to like and subscribe
1: go ahead we'll give you a sec why thank you
0: speaking about releasing holds who's joining us oh we have a
1: wonderful wonderful guest today um, yes, she has worked in the special event industry for 30 years. She was the production director for The Vega Group from 1992 to 2003, where she worked on events large and small and created events for corporate sponsors of the Super Bowl, Final Four, PGA, US Open, the Olympic Games. Crazy. Since that time, she's worked as a consultant for Next Events, a Boston-based DMC designing events. But she life as a professor and after leaving the Vega group, she went to the university in the UK and earned a PhD, I bow down to you, in Naval and military history. And now teaches Western civilization and history with an emphasis in civil war and reconstruction. She does this full-time at Southeastern Louisiana University and then creates events or off time, which you know, because she has a lot of that. So please welcome event designer and university professor, Sam Cavell.
0: Yay, Sam. Oh yeah, I mean, is, everyone. I'm just exhausted.
2: <laughs> I know. I sound like a lunatic,
1: don't I? You
0: too. You sound like you're all over the place.
2: <laughs> I, I mean I'm tired an just
1: reading it, like Anthony said, you know. <laughs>
2: My so, lord. You know, It sounds really schizophrenic, and and I think that is probably accurate, actually.
0: (laughs) I think so, Um, but but do you mind if we just take a few minutes to get to know you even better? Sure. Let's do it. Yeah, I'd love to just ask you a few quick questions in a segment we call 10 Quick Questions.
1: 10 Quick Questions! 10 Quick Questions? Yeah.
0: This is how it works. Alex has the clock. You have two minutes to answer ten questions. First thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready to go, Sam Capel? I guess so. <laughs> Question and, number one. You have not been shown these questions in advance. Question no. number one. Do you believe in miracles? No. Wow. Get back <laughs> to <that>. Number two. <laughs> what do you love most about what you do?
2: Oh, in events, it's getting out of the environment that I'm in day-to-day, and I get to go out and hang out with amazing people like you, creative people. I get to get out of my own headspace and do something else uh, that's light, that's uh, that's not heavily bogged down in history stuff. It takes yeah. me away from my day-to-day life now. It's fantastic.
0: Teaching about wars. Yeah. Um <laughs> When was the last time you tried something new?
2: Oh, been a while. Um,
0: that surprises me.
2: Yeah, no, we I didn't haven't have
1: done time. anything
2: really new in a while. But uh, you know what? I know I want to do. Not next. I have figured out. I want to eat Nigerian food.
1: Oh. Ooh. Yummy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching Ted Lasso. I know I'm really behind on this, but. Uh, the guy just opened a, a Nigerian restaurant. Like, what is Nigerian food? Like,
0: I want to I try it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I haven't thought plan about Nigerian food. There you go. I like it. That's right. You're going to Nigeria or you're going to have food some, <laughs> some which way or whatever. Uh, what is the most memorable live concert show or festival you've ever experienced, whether you've worked on it or just was a, a spectator?
2: Uh, live concert, um, uh, Culture Club culture club oh my lord
0: that culture was the most club. memorable life.
2: wow i'm like i mean i haven't done a whole lot of concerts in my life but i it was my first big concert as a teenager when it was really meaningful to me and those guys, that band meant everything to me at the of time. Course. And it did not disappoint. It was fantastic. I wish I could have been with you there. <laughs> I think I would have had a lot of fun. Yes.
0: Did you scream your hair off? Oh, yeah. Of you course. couldn't even hear
2: him sing, I think. That's one of my great memories I have at that place, was just screaming. Right. Um <laughs> it was lunatic.
0: So on that note, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you?
2: Oh, that is that a word? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like.
1: That's I'm my so, word.
2: Yeah, me. that. Yeah, okay. That, that counts as a word. Okay, good. Because that's honestly how I feel when I think about myself. I'm so stupid sometimes. I take on things that I know I shouldn't. And uh, you think by the time I've reached this age, I would have learned, and I don't. So,
0: yeah, ugh, that's, that's my word. Hadrid <laughs> <laughs> spirits are weak. <sighs> All right, if, if, right. If, if Mickey Mouse, this is a very serious question. Oh. I already know where this is going. <laughs> if Mickey Mouse weren't famous, would you have him over to your house for dinner?
2: That's a big no.
0: <laughs> I don't like
2: Mickey. I don't like Mickey. Ooh, I know wow. what you mean. <laughs>
0: I know. No, you're entitled to your opinion. You, know, you can't please all the people all the time. And what is it about? He he, oh, you I... out.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if I can actually say this, or you I'm just going to get sued or something. But um, okay. So <laughs> years ago, we had to do an opening for a restaurant that I will not name in okay. Times Square in New York, and there were Disney was involved. Put it that way. Mickey was coming. Mickey the mouse was coming. And so were all the sports mascots from the New York area and things like that. So we had foolishly decided to put Mr. Met in with Mickey for the dressing room. That was a mistake. Um, We were promptly told that Mickey does not share a dressing room with anyone and um, had to scramble at the last minute for an extra dressing room in the middle of an hotel in Times Square to find a dressing room. So after that, I wanted to slap Mickey. Sorry.
0: He does not share a dressing room, not even with Minnie, I suppose. <laughs> wow. I'm
2: going to get in real trouble for saying that. Wow, what a diva. True. What yeah, a total diva. diva.
0: Man, total oh, diva.
2: Thank you for sharing that
0: story. That Nikki, Damn him. What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing?
2: Swearing. Oh, really? Personally, I
0: hope you you never stop.
2: Why? (laughs) It's my favorite thing. It's it's getting out of hand. I'm having to check myself all the time these days. Um, Yeah. No, I I have my go-to words, and and they're becoming more prevalent in my vocab. Um, Okay. Yeah, that's what I want to stop.
1: They're just college, words, and they make a, you feel better. That's right. Sticks and Dude, stones. That's
2: the trouble. Right.
0: That's <laughs>
2: you know, it's, it's very, it's very sort of Freudian, like that. You, you, you go to what makes you instantly gratified, right? And those are instant gratification words. I you know? love it. Mm.
0: Sam, is it okay mm. to say gay? Is it okay to say gay?
2: I hope so. I say it a lot. Is that okay?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> i just wanted right. to hear from you
2: i have to be careful because these days things change so rapidly and you have to be in touch with the kids these days right, and right. and uh, yeah i sometimes feel like i'm not very successful in staying on top of what is pc and what is not and what is accurate to say and what is unacceptable now but yes yeah, i have an 18
1: year old call me she schools me constantly okay maybe, maybe you
0: need to share that with sam although you should be in touch sam i mean you're teaching college kids so you would think yeah.
2: well some of them tell me things and some of them just look at me like i have three heads
0: oh uh, well that's what you do when you're in college you look at everybody and, like they have three heads you and each head are. is swearing a different curse word that's right a really good meaty curse word
1: <laughs>
2: exactly i have to not do that in the classroom either so <laughs>
0: to have in the classroom. I'm constantly
2: or... minding my P's and Q's. Uh, yeah.
0: What fun is life? I know. What did you want to be growing up?
2: Oh, my God. Um, when I was uh, five, I wanted to be an astronaut. Oh. How mm. did that work out for you? Yeah, it worked out great. I <laughs> an event planner instead. Same um, thing. Yeah, Same amount right. of pressure. <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Sometimes
2: feel like you're floating around in space and have no idea what you're doing. And um,
1: does, do sometimes you want to uh, eject people into space, right? Not <laughs> <laughs> actually, yes. Uh, most a lot.
0: of the day, every day.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's
2: always a feeling. Uh, yeah, astronaut was, was a big one. I went through the vet phase. Me too. Um, like most kids do, most girls do anyway. And uh, and then I lived in the country back growing up in Australia and uh, my mum's like, well, why don't you go and, you know, intern with the vet? And that was, of course, a mistake because I was a country, you know, country girl, country practice. So There was lots of big animals like cows and horses and stuff. And there was a lot of like... Un- unpleasant activities that had to happen with those animals, and uh, that cued me real quick.
1: So.
0: Real fast. <laughs> you check that <laughs> off your list.
1: <laughs> I grew up in the country. I know exactly what you're talking
0: about. <laughs> okay, yeah. last question. Mm. What is a poo-tin? A
2: poo-tin. Spell it.
0: Well, the way I saw it spelled was P-O-O. Uh-huh. Second word, tin. T-I-N. What is a poo tin? I saw it on your I saw yes. it on your Facebook page. We both did. And we both know what it is. It's just a joke of a poo. My posture. Facebook
2: page.
0: Yes. Yes. We did a little stalking. We did a little stalking of you. And you have this really great post yes. of a dog poop container receptacle.
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: Putin's face on it. And it's inscribed poo tin. <laughs> <laughs> P-O-O-T-I-N, a tin for your poo. I, I've,
2: I've never posted that. That must well, have been someone
0: else. Somebody <laughs> posted it. It's on your, it's in your stream. They tagged you and that's why it's there. And I just thought- Tag me the in most, all
2: sorts of crazy things. You don't even I know. love how, that though. I'll yeah, own that.
0: That's you should, kind of, it's funny.
2: Yeah, I'll take it. All totally, right. I
0: mean, I didn't even question it when I saw it on your Facebook. <laughs> I thought, total Sam, absolutely. I'm going to ask her about this poo tin. So yeah, I think you need to I think you need to uh, scroll your own your own feed to see what people are. Mm-hmm.
2: I haven't been on Facebook oh. in ages. I, I just I've, it's been a little busy right now and I, I, I'm really bad at it normally anyway. I get in trouble a lot. People get really angry with you when you don't check in regularly. And I've been very bad at it lately. so oh rubbish. Yeah, I'm Come in the Putin on. with a lot of folks. You on, must on be
0: Facebook. in the Putin, but and your Facebook. <laughs> otherwise, your Facebook is pretty benign, I will say. Lots of ducks, lots of animals. Yeah. Obviously, you're a, a dog lover. You yeah. Know, post a lot about dogs. Dogs needing homes.
2: Yeah, definitely try to do a lot. Of, well, that's the trouble. I mean, you live in Louisiana and in the country. And no one spays and neuters here, and we get a massive stray dog problem. And uh, so, yeah, that's a big part of my life these days.
0: Wow is it because of all it. the Is it because of all the Catholics? No <laughs> <literally>. <laughs> Catholic
2: dogs. I know. You think they'd figure out birth control by now.
0: Well, uh, maybe- <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, gosh, you know, Pope Francis has loosened the reins on all this stuff. Surely the dogs would follow, but they don't, you know, no, you just can't get rid of them sometimes. So what are you
0: so, gonna do? So Sam, we met in the nineties.
2: Yes, we and- did
0: and And throwing events in the nineties was a bit different than it is today, especially corporate events and that's what mm-hmm. I'd like to focus on with conversation with you so what what is different about the events we used to throw in the in the eighties and nineties than the corporate yeah. events we're throwing today
2: you You know the the difference in when the clear thing is the budgets, right I mean, mm-hmm. the budgets have shrunk to minuscule proportions of what they used to be, but there's there's a benefit to that in that you can then sort of redirect your creative energies and say, okay, well, what am I going to do with so much less? Now there, there were enormous expectations that went along with those high budgets. You know, people lose their sense of humor real fast.
1: <laughs> <When they're> spending <laughs> spending, spending millions <laughs> of dollars on
2: a three hour party. Right. But um, I think the challenge now is to come up with something exciting. It may not be, the extent of the creative effort and the creative creation that gets put into those old events but you still have to find something that that magical thing that happens within an event but you have to do it with far less money so I think it requires a whole lot more skill honestly don't you I mean do you feel that way
0: Absolutely. And I would say that the need for ROI is much greater than it was back in the eighties and nineties. People want to know that what they're spending money on is actually going to result Mm -hmm. in some kind of uptick, you know, whatever it might be.
2: Right. And of course now everything's so trackable, right? So now that ROI is absolutely quantifiable, whereas in the past, not so much, you know, social media has changed everything. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's very true. And I think there was also a sense back in the 90s and even in the early 80s that, you know, we're just going to blow it out. We're going to do it larger and bigger and better, and we're going to have these wild animals at the party right. and right. this band. And it, there was a, a competitive sense of just doing it for the sake of doing a crazy party that no one could believe what they were seeing. That's different now, you know. You've got to produce something great, something spectacular, something that's memorable, but it's it's not, it is the accountability. And, um, and I saw that changeover too that was happening in the early 2000s, a sense that investors want uh, an accountability of the money that's being spent. That was the first thing to show up. You can't just spend millions of dollars on a Super Bowl party for three hours for 250 people because the accountants are going to go nuts. And that shifted really quickly, like almost overnight, it felt like Um, once, you know, we got into the two thousands and it really changed.
0: Yeah. The, the, uh, the political um, uh, overtones that we were experiencing in the, in the early two thousands as well, didn't help. Uh, The great meltdown of the, uh, the mortgage industry, and I remember distinctly Obama just coming into office and sort of derailing, if you will, deriding the big money that was being spent on Vegas meetings. And for a while, yeah. Vegas became a taboo location because of that.
2: Absolutely. Pharmaceutical got gutted, remember? Got gutted. But, yes, they did. Yeah. And um, that was always an enormous spend mm-hmm. uh, in any annual event budget, you know, but um, yeah, it's a completely different world now. It really is.
0: Do you find that you're doing the same kind of theming? I looked at some of the some of the events that you threw back in the 80s and 90s. One of them was called Indianapolis Jones and the Final yes. Four Crusade. Another one was a Close Encounters party. I've seen those kinds of parties just disappear completely. Yes. Those themed, you know, uh, same for you?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, themes yes, but done in, done in more broad terms um, so that you don't have to be so specific you know we were we were bringing in actors and creating soundtracks for those events and uh, I mean the the level of design in those events was such that we had a client who said ah, if it if it's in a, a temple an Egyptian temple it better feel like an Egyptian temple if I touch it that was the kind of, you know experience experience, that they were looking for and that's not the case anymore now it's more about all right we want to evoke the the 80s we want an 80s theme event but that can be interpreted in many ways so Mm -hmm. go broader so you don't have to be so specific you don't have to be so literal um and you know see what see what you can come up with that's new and interesting and is going to go and make people sit up and have a little instagram moment or whatever you know like it's a, it's, a, it's a very different beast, I think.
0: How have your tools changed as a designer of events? How have your, your tools changed from the 90s to today? Are you using the same uh, palette of tools or are you using different tools? And I guess what I'm getting at here is really about technology mm-hmm. uh, and perhaps how that might have changed the way that you design events.
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I'm so old that we're talking about when I was doing this stuff, there was no internet, right? When right. We we're producing events in different, in different towns and cities all over the country, you'd have to go to those places, grab a yellow pages and, and, and start finding your your vendors. That's obviously incredibly different as far as you know, a search tool. But in terms of um, like tools to actually start conceiving of a design, you know, in one way, it hasn't changed, and that I'm always going to go to a lighting um, answer for just about everything. You know, I mean, that's my immediate go-to. Like, I, I start to think about the world that we're creating in an event in terms of how I'm going to light it, and what what can I afford in terms of lighting to create an environment, and then everything builds off of that. Mm. So, I think the I think that's maybe changed a little because I would have started more with the the structures, you know, yes. the environment. Yes. But now you can't afford to build an environment. So right. now it's about, okay, well, how do we create a mood or a feeling in a mm-hmm. space using lighting and then build on that? So that's a different design uh, process that you, you're going to have to go through in your head.
0: And, and I and that was really what I was getting at too. So thank you for answering that so well. Uh, we don't we don't we don't use props like we used yeah. to. I mean, it, when you talked about you know the temple needing to feel like a temple, uh, what about the load-in times, the the expectations from the venues? Are you have you found that's changed a bit since um, since yeah, the eighties and nineties?
2: Yes and no. I, I would probably say on the whole, no. Um, You know, we always try to give our vendors this is look, this is actually something that's getting back to what you guys were talking about at the start of the show is this idea of courtesy within business and courtesy within the industry, uh, letting people know when you don't need them anymore when the hold is over. But the idea that you don't try and plan out an event or conceive of an event that's going to be a three day load in when you have one day to get it in the door. And it's about thinking about the logistics of those lighting vendors, those sound vendors, the staging guys, the uh, whatever is coming in, the catering. What do they actually have to achieve in a limited amount of time? And then that also is going to direct you in the design process of, of what you're creating because there's no point about working people to death and especially if you don't have the the budget to be able to triple a crew, you know, mm-hmm. like if you can pay for all that extra manpower and labor to get that stuff in, in six hours, as opposed to three days, then go for it. But not too many of them.
0: How many times have you had to say that, you know, well, we'd love to do this, or we know you'd like this, but uh-huh. uh, you know, there simply is not enough time to prep it before we start. How many of those conversations do you find yourself having?
2: Um, some, not as many as you might think though. I I think that clients have become a bit more educated about this stuff too. Um, that there's there's just more of a sophistication in the industry Mm -hmm. as a whole, I think, than what there used to be. Like more people understand process and they understand logistics and they are at least willing to listen to those things. Whereas in the past it was like, I don't care, make it happen. Right. And and then you would go, well, that's going to cost an extra $25,000. And they're like, okay, just do it. That, that's that gone away. So there is a need on both ends, on the client end of the industry and on our end to go, all right, let's be real. right? Let's be realistic. Let's not kill our vendors. Let's just yes. design an event that is appropriate for the
1: time frame and the space. Well, there's also educating if, if the education is needed, clients on... All right, now you want to add this element, but now there's overtime and this is a union house. So then you're going to be paying those rates. And it's a lot more than what most people would think it's going to be. Right.
2: Yeah. Yes, indeed. And certain <laughs> cities are worse than others. Yes. On that. Um, but it's just a fact of life. Yeah. You, you just know it walking in the door and you deal with it. Right. I mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. People are just better at, at the job now on both sides. It's been around for a long time. And, and, and also there's, there's education, right? I mean, yes. Anthony, you teach university in this field. There are university courses about this, this industry now. And that didn't exist in the past either.
0: Not so- at all. We were all uh, leading by the seat of our pants, if you will. <laughs> and some of us had better, uh, better uh, uh, protocols than others
2: right but you know in a way there was sort of a a great camaraderie that came from that too you know
0: that we're all in this
2: together being on a sinking
0: ship together right
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know that was kind of nice
1: well also you didn't have the internet so there wasn't evidence of when something went awry
2: god and, and you know what, that would have changed everything too in the old days, because if there was evidence of some of these parties out there on social media, those companies would have probably gone bankrupt, been sued, gone belly up yes. years before, yes. Yes. right? There would have been repercussions if this had been public knowledge, you know, we had to sign confidentialities <sighs> and all sorts of things, but now, oh man, these, these, this there's a lot of ceos who would have been in a lot of trouble um you know if social media had existed back then
0: (laughs) yeah i can't i can't disagree with you thinking back on those times and some of the things that i witnessed yeah so what led you away from the industry what led you away what 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 you know um
2: okay so i don't know i think a few things happened um it was a lot of travel. It was constantly on the road. That um, I didn't mind that too badly, but I was getting jaded by it. I really was. And um, there was there was one instance too where um, we did an event for a client, and it was a big blowout. It was crazy. And within a week after that event taking place, it was all over the news that that company was uh, retrenching like five thousand employees.
1: Oh, and
2: I. It just, it got me down. It got me, re- it really affected me. And I was just like, what am I doing? You know, this is this is about the most hollow experience you could have in a working life. Like you think you're doing really cool stuff and right. you're being so creative, but what is the overall impact of what right. you're doing on the rest of the world or on other people around you? And I don't know, I got, I got kind of wigged out by that. And, um,
0: and did you f- did you feel somehow culpable?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. complicit, you know, very
0: yeah. complicit, right?
2: Yeah. and um that I'd been responsible for this, and i I don't know, I, I the other thing was too, I felt just that on my end, I was repeating myself. And I'd never had any problem sharing ideas or stuff we'd done with anyone. You know, anyone asked me, oh, what would you know, what have you done here? That's fine, I'll tell you. Because I never would do it again. That was my right. philosophy. I'll right. never do it again. So I'm happy to tell you what, what we did and how we did it. Um, and I found myself w- go uh, my go-to was repetitions or at least you know derivations right. of things I'd already done right. and I was like eh, no I there something's missing here and um
0: were you feeling I, cheap like you were yeah, just, yeah cheapening your set, tawdry, <laughs> deep, repurposing ideas
2: wow. yeah, yeah burned out and repetitive and yeah it was it was like Thelma and Louise time Right.
0: I I think we're we're kindred spirits in in that way because I once once an idea is executed like I don't care about it anymore. I never want to do it again. I never want to see it again. I don't want proof of it. It's done. Yep. It's over. Same way, yep. huh?
2: Yeah. Cause that's the joy of this job is right. always having to be creative. That's where you get your, you know, your juices going and where you're, you're loving what you're doing. And yeah, as soon as you're like, eh, let's just roll that out again. Then it's yeah. like, it's over for me yeah. anyway. You're
0: burnt out. So oh. you actually left the battlefield to teach about battles.
2: <laughs> I did. <laughs> Although I never thought I would get a teaching job. So went off to England, got my PhD, came back. And the way academia works is that you're supposed to go wherever a job turns up. Well, I can't do that because I have my husband and my house and my ducks and my dogs, and
1: uh-huh. I can't
2: just pick up and go anywhere. And I knew all the professors in my local region who taught history and they weren't going anywhere. They're all tenured professors. So um, I never even really looked for a job. I just sort of stayed on the periphery. I, I, I wrote articles and some books and, uh, just you know went to conferences and stayed in the industry but I was doing my consulting work there were events that was my bread and butter until I actually it was amazing because I actually came off of an event that I had done single-handedly mm-hmm. it was a, a it was seven events over five days and the largest event was for over 4,000 people and um, I put it all together myself and I was so burned out. I was on this event and my neck locked up and I couldn't move and I was in so much pain. I thought I was gonna just <laughs> if someone touch me, I was gonna fall apart like a piece of glass. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I can't handle this amount of pressure on just me anymore. I've got to find something else to do with my life. I swear to God. A week later, I got a call from this university asking me if I wanted to come and teach because wow. they had a professor wow. who was, was leaving, suddenly leaving to go to another position. And um, you know, you my friend Jim tells me, you know, you put stuff out in the yes. and sometimes it comes back to you, right? Yep. Uh-huh. But not that I would want to leave the events industry completely anyway, because I get it, to see people like you. Well. And, Friends and people I love, and meet great new folks, and I don't know. It's a great industry. It so,
0: really...
1: with that, how do you choose what events you're going to do today?
2: Huh. It has to be in the summer when I'm not teaching.
0: That's a good. <laughs> that's, that's a good rule.
2: Yeah, that's usually the way it has to work. Because um, during semester, it's it's cuckoo, so um, I can't really get away. But I can still go out and do things, uh, do actual events. I can I can work on proposals and stuff during semester design things but to actually go on site it usually has to be a summer event
0: are you working exclusively with next events now or do you
2: yes yeah Yeah. i I don't really work for anyone else probably you know mainly because ali wouldn't want me to yeah (laughs) but the other thing is i don't i don't have time to do that i really don't do that much even anymore Mm. but just enough to kind of you know help out when it's needed and uh and and you know, reconnect with everyone,
0: which is great. I, I love the fact that you and Allie are still working together. I think it says a whole lot about both of you. Uh because we you both worked a
2: long way. A long way. Mary.
0: Right. Both employees of Vega. Yeah. And I remember when she branched out, it it has to be 20 years now yeah. when she branched out because I met her through Vega. Yeah. And uh it's just it says to me that you're both you're both able to have long-term relationships. You're both able to respect the needs of the other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just what you said now, uh, I don't take other work. I don't know that Ali would want me to. She probably wouldn't, you know, you respect that. And that that's gotta be a mutual thing. And it's just delightful to see after so many years, you know.
2: And, and both of us just have immense respect for Mary Vega. I mean, the, the, Mary taught us everything we know and she was just one of the greatest mentors, the greatest teachers and someone I have so much respect for, um, a, a true giant in our industry, really.
0: At a and time it, when there were no giants, at a yeah. time when all of this was sort of under the radar and these big sure. events were being done without much, you know, falderal. Uh She <laughs> is, she's one of the, one of the, 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 the first people
2: yeah she was incredible
0: yeah I was really lucky
2: I was so lucky to be able to land as a you know a a whippersnapper who knew nothing with her company because she she taught me and she taught me discipline you know there, there was a there's a discipline to learn here there's there's a hard job like you had to be a jack of all trades to be in production, right? You've got to know lighting, you've got to know flowers, you've got to know food, you gotta know plumbing sometimes <laughs> when things go awry, like you've got to yeah. be adaptable. And it takes a long time to learn. I mean, I've always said it takes five years to be a competent producer, you know. So you've got to be willing to invest the time. So young people getting into the industry, you just can't say oh here I've got my degree I know everything and walk out and think you're going to nail it because it's not going to happen you have to give yourself that time to get things wrong and figure out how the best procedures are for you to work and yeah
0: yeah the best learning situations are those that don't go right and unfortunately always I don't know whether it's unfortunate or fortunate but you can't plan that
2: Yeah, totally like you never learn anything from what you do right i never right. did no. right it's only from what you do
1: wrong that's exactly and you'll never that's do true it again well you yeah. also learn how you want to work and it's good to know that to know yeah. how you want to work is that kind of that defines your life
2: and that takes time to figure that out too you know i think all of us are the kind of people that we just commit to a job like we're total a type personalities if we're going to do something we're in whole hog you know um and sometimes that's not always the best way to run your life you know (laughs) no there is no such thing as work-life balance for me there never has been and I'm not saying that's a a good model at all but um it's gotten me places I wanted to go but you know maybe maybe there's a better way (laughs) that younger folks out there can figure out and I
0: think they can. I don't know. I find it interesting. I also, I, I can't sort of get off the fact that what you do by day is just so immensely different from the event. Yes. Industry. It's 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 the dichotomy of what we do. I mean, you're in a classroom. You're you're doing lectures. You're grading papers. You're. You know, I hate you're grading papers. Very structured. It's the worst part of teaching.
2: Sucks. You know? <laughs>
0: We've talked about this. It is the worst part. If you think it's bad writing the paper, think During about how grade you do it. Right,
2: yeah. right. I hate it. Yeah. If really? I didn't have to grade papers, this would be the greatest job. Right? Was-
0: <laughs> Let's keep it in perspective. You only have to write one. I have to grade 20. Right? Yeah,
1: exactly. So you right. would rather write the research paper, do all the research, do all the citations, Oh yeah. Then grade them.
2: Well, I have to do that anyway. That's the thing about academia these days. You have to write. You have yeah. to publish. It's always been publish or perish, but it used to be like this school calls itself a teaching school. And what that was supposed to mean is that the focus is on teaching rather than on publication. And that's not the case anymore. You got to do it all. It's expected, you know. Um, so, yeah. So
0: what is expected? Multitasking. What mm. is the, Is there a, is there a uh, number of articles that are expected on a yearly basis, or are you just expected to continue to publish?
2: Uh, you expected to continue to publish no specific number except going up for tenure and I'm up for tenure in January. So, uh, and I have all of my minimum number. I'm, I'm more than okay in that department. So I've got all my publications that I need to uh, qualify for tenure, but yeah, the expectation is that you keep going. You can't stop. Um So there's always that pressure on, you know, Um, I'm just hoping that at some point soon I get a book project off my plate and that's done. And then I can just take a breath and go, okay, what do I want to write next? Because right now it's all lined up, uh, you know like in a in a shooting gallery uh-huh. just trying to go to each one <laughs> one after the other and get it done but it's like you know it'd be really nice to have a little downtime to creatively think about the next project
0: well it's important too. Yeah. you need the downtime to yeah, you
2: know I, know I know it's nutty
0: yeah to fill up that uh, creative uh space again void <laughs> yeah the void that that happens when you're trained <laughs> right, exactly. So um what are you are you doing any hybrid events is is hybrid being tossed around with your clients the your your uh, corporate clients today and for future events what's happening not, in your world not
2: that i not that i have been involved in i mean i'm only getting involved uh with next event and stuff that they have going on the ground they may have things coming down the pike that are um are hybrid events but you know, there was, there was a fair bit of that during COVID, but now it seems that everyone's desperate to get back in human contact with each other. And um, I don't know of anything that's hybrid that's coming up, actually. Um, I think there's, it just sort of shows you, you know, quite honestly, I'm one of those few people, um, apart from the fact that, you know, we lost, which is really tragic, we lost some family members during COVID, and I mm. shouldn't laugh at that. But <laughs> I actually, um, I actually enjoyed COVID. <laughs> in that it just it forced a slowdown for me, and you know everything went online, and that made it really easy. I just sit at my desk and I do hybrid classes. Um, and, you know, poor, poor events industry. I mean, just mm-hmm. crashed and burned. But um, it just I don't know. It just took that that whew, that, that downtime that I felt was so needed. Um, but it was a short lived thing <laughs> and it yes, ramps it right back up and you got to go with it. And that's not a bad thing because I did miss seeing people and, and I'm kind of glad we're back, but for a minute, it was nice.
0: It was the most surreal break mm. ever. Mm. I think, you know, to be stopped short in your tracks mm. uh, was really, I think difficult, but it, I have to admit, I would, I enjoyed the first, probably the first few weeks of it. because I didn't feel the stress of, oh, I am being inactive while other people are being active and getting things done. You know, we were all in the same place. So it was easier for me to relax. It wasn't until it started to just perpetuate that, you know, it became more problematic for us. And we realized we better do something or we're going to sink.
2: I know the industry it forced the industry to get so creative and and pivot on a dime right like you had to retask with technology to be able to do hybrid event or virtual events you had to yeah it was incredibly difficult for a lot of people and of course we lost so many people in the industry we did and Boston is still reeling I mean from from especially on things like decor and stuff like that decor houses that shut down and i think that's true of a lot of other cities that there were many companies that just didn't come back
0: no it's very very true and and you know finding those resources now has been difficult Mm -hmm. uh but uh you know it's like everything is cyclical in life. And while there was a threading out of some vendors, we'll see some new vendors come up now. And some people now will now have entry into the industry that may not have had this kind of opportunity Were all of us still doing business the way we were pre COVID. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I guess we just have to, you know, if we're able to go with the flow, a lot of people also retired and decided they they're not going to deal with this and virtual, there are a lot of planners that we spoke with who do, were not even interested in doing virtual events. That was just not going to happen for them, you know? Wow. Yeah. And,
2: well, there's a lot of oldies hanging around still like yeah. us, right? But some, yes. <laughs> some of yeah. us have been forced into the technological age and we we adapted and others were just like, no, sorry. No, thanks. Not right. Going I, there."
0: And I think if I had been in the position or I could retire and, you know, I was set up financially, I probably would have done the same thing. Why deal with the stress of something new mm-hmm. when, you know, it's not really necessary. Uh, but we weren't in that position. That's I don't right. know. Blessing or curse too young to, re- to, to retire. Uh, so, you know, you sort <laughs> know. have to, like you said, reinvent yourself and added another, uh, another, uh, 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 ability to the to the plate you know now (laughs) we had to be right internet specialty specialists you know
2: I know that's kind of a though, right it forced you to diversify and now that's a whole other branch of your business which is pretty awesome it truly is
0: well it sort of goes with you don't really learn anything when things go right you know when things are hard is when you force yourself to learn and
2: it's so true that's
0: that's what it's all about so what does the successful event look like to you
2: um oh that's a good question because um, there's success on on our side like where we feel like okay we've done everything we needed to do as producers to create this amazing dynamic space that, that people enjoyed um, but in when we're talking with the clients um, you know they have to feel that their people, loved it you know and that's an instantaneous response i mean Mm -hmm. it's not waiting for the surveys to come back or anything you can tell if your client is happy with how the event went in, in the immediate aftermath it's that they get the sense of what their people were doing to react to things that were happening and and if you can get that response from them then you've done everything you needed to do you know it may not have even if things didn't exactly go off the way you Envision them, right? As long as as long as that that check comes from your client, then that's a successful event. Honestly,
0: yeah, I I have to say I agree with you a thousand percent. And I used to always allow my own feelings to get in the mix. And even if a client felt they were you know really really happy about everything that went off, if I noticed there wasn't something right, I couldn't feel happy about it. Mm-hmm. But I've learned to let that go because. There are things that people see and experience, and there are things that they do not see and experience. True. And we're so trained to see everything that we forget mm-hmm. that not mm-hmm. everybody will see it or even notice it. Or, you know, so there is listening to the client and their experience mm-hmm. is the best way to understand mm-hmm. whether the client, you know, whether the event's been a success. So well, and one up. of my
1: favorite teachers said to me was. If somebody compliments you and in your mind, you're thinking of all the things that went wrong, keep it to yourself. Don't negate their enjoyment.
2: Absolutely. Keep it quiet. Keep it to yourself.
0: Yes. And, you know, in the theater where where we were raised, both Alex and I, the first rule of thumb is never make an excuse. Ever. Right. It's truly a child,
2: right? Never explain, never excuse.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. In your study of civilization, how instrumental are events in the evolution of society?
2: Oh, wow. What an interesting question. Um, I think in terms of parties, special events, well, I mean, you know what?
0: Events in general.
2: Yeah. the, The obvious answer to that is pretty important, actually. You think about, like, I'm just about to do a whole module on the Enlightenment. And um, that was a whole movement of thought and philosophy and ideas and things that have really long legs that create basically the French Revolution and change the world. And all of these were done at parties. <laughs> yes. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, the salons of Paris mm-hmm. were were the locus of where all these people these ideologues came together and exchanged ideas so yeah it was it has been very instrumental um, in in the past you know, and even going back further I think you can go back to like Greek history and think about how the use of the agora is is so important right in in bringing society get together and sharing ideas and that was an event space that was multi-purpose that you could be using it as a market one day or as a Political platform another day, you know? It's like, no, I think events, if not parties, but, you know, uh, meeting spaces are incredibly important. It's where it all happens, right?
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So now, is there any correlation between the wars that you studied and the event industry?
2: Wow. Um, <laughs> some of them look <laughs> like war zones right, when they're
0: going right. on. <laughs> You leave a few with some more stories, but.
2: uh... (laughs) Oh, God, do we ever. Um, Yeah, no. uh, And I don't know. There's not so many personal battles going on these days, but there there used to be. I don't know. People got very head up about events in the past. I think that's, I don't know. I think that for me, that's been the thing that I've taken away from doing history and events is that it's just a party, you know. This is not anything that is going to change anyone's life. We need to put this in perspective. It's just a party. Yeah. Even if it's a really expensive one, you know, people. Well, make... What happens when the ice sculpture explodes? Oh, God.
0: Everybody gets wet.
2: <laughs> you hope to God everyone's, that happened to me one time. I know,
0: that's what I want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> we,
2: um, well, we did an event and um, it was going great. To the point that the client kept extending the event, we had a huge (laughs) back in the days of the ice bar luges. Remember those? Yes, yes. All hollowed out with the cocktails running through them. Yes. So they were instantly undermined, you know. And uh, but as the client kept extending the event, I'm thinking, oh, can I say the s word? Um, You know, (laughs) oh shite. Um, I, you know, what is going to happen to the bar? Because I know there's a time limit the time will run out on this bar and uh i think we extended at least an hour it might have been an hour and a half we extended the party which never happens right and the last guest walked out the door and the whole it sounded like a cannon going off in this space it just exploded into a million pieces
0: wow you we were the so bar.
2: lucky <laughs> so lucky oh god you know you cut things close sometimes you know and then you have those events where where people okay war zone you have those events where of a party of 2500 people about 2000 of them puke
0: oh oh my god (laughs) and care to care to uh give us more
2: Yeah, it it was in New Orleans, and Mary uh, had really great connections in this town and uh, had convinced Pat O'Brien's to come and do the bar for the event. And Pat O's doesn't do outside catering bars. That's just not what they do. But because it was Mary, they agreed. And so everyone who walked into this party got a hurricane. And if anyone knows what that's about, it's like, death in a glass. Um, it's five different shots of alcohol, but it's all red and pink and looks like a, a, a tropical cordial drink, um, like a kool aid. And uh, so it was so funny. Like people would walk in, they'd see this beautiful curvy glass full of pink drink. They pick it up, they take a sip, they'd be like, "Oh," and they they put it down. And I watched them and and people would sort of come back to where they put their drink down. They pick it up again. They'd have another sip and they'd be like, oh, that's so strong. And they'd put it down. If they came back a third time, they walked away with it. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> Most people can handle one hurricane. Some people can handle two. No one can handle three. Okay. Oh, yeah. And um, unfortunately, those drinks were going all night. And uh, Yeah. And one of my colleagues had said, we need to go get kitty litter. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, well, you know, because there's probably going to be people who get sick tonight. I'm like, you have lost your mind. This is a, a corporate crowd. There's no way. And I think we went through 50, 50 pound bags of kitty litter. Oh, and it oh my
1: enough. God
2: wasn't anywhere near enough we 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 were so scared I mean we thought this client will never hire us again we are fired from like this is bad you know <laughs> and uh yeah we got called into a meeting the next day and we we're like all hang dog and waiting to be whipped you know and uh we, we walked in and they're like, that was the greatest party that we ever had. <laughs> Did you see how <laughs> many people puked? <built>? It <laughs> was awesome. <laughs> it was so awful. We were at the end of the night. We had to break everything down that night. It was a huge setup. And uh, we're pulling like generator cables and lighting cables. And it's just like you're picking it up and you're like, oh, oh. Was it? it 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 has passed into legend in our sphere, but that was the
1: worst it was that an got.
0: indoor party?
1: Yes, yes oh, it was okay.
0: even worse Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for the whoever
0: had to do the final cleanup.
2: Oh we had to steam clean the concrete of the venue because it was all stained pink.
0: Oh, my from the vomit,
2: yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Don't do that. That, No, 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 no.
0: Don't try this at
2: home, kids. Professionals only. No. God. Oh, my God. Well, I can't.
0: I'm not even a two-martini guy. I mean, I'm already, like, that's enough. You're not even a one-martini guy. I'm not even a one-martini guy.
2: I can't have two beers these days. I'm such a lightweight. It's pathetic.
1: My mother can drink
2: me under (laughs) the table.
1: hang with me. I gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, get, yeah, we'll get you on Uzo. You'll be fine.
2: Oh, God, that stuff is so wicked. I love it. Actually. I love that licorice flavor. But um, yeah, maybe it doesn't love me anymore.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what happened. So what's different now from then from pre pandemic in terms of the parties that you're designing the events that you're designing? Is there anything different? post-pandemic
2: something weird happened in that yeah all of a sudden people are coming back and they want to spend money
0: yeah that is happening yeah they
2: had budgets that were overblown from two years of nothing and they're like yeah let's just spend it and sometimes i think that maybe didn't lead to the wisest um, spends of money like maybe there was just too much because a lot of one of the things that seems to be happening is that no one's planning ahead that far no like Events come in and you've got four weeks from row to go to that's get it. the thing done. And that, that's not good because it doesn't give you enough time to really think about what is the best expenditure of the money. And um, that's one weird kind of phenomenon that has come out of, the, out of COVID, I think, is that there's all this money and there's no time. And um, mm. I think that will correct itself because budgets are going to, get spent and we'll go back to normal but uh yeah it's it's been weird it's been really weird
0: so of the budgets that you're getting now is there a focus for much of that money is it you know is it just give us a great event or we really want to focus this on entertainment or we you know we really want to make sure that the look is is are you getting that kind of direction or
2: uh sometimes. Sometimes a client has a focus that they like entertainment driven uh, is usually where that goes. Um, but no, I think overall people are just looking for that holistic experience. You know, whatever environment you're creating, then make me feel it everywhere. I want to see it reflected in the food and in the design and in the, you know, linens and the lighting and all of it, you know sort of they're almost like clients are coming with a mood and coming with a, a sense of what they want and then you sort of have to fill in the blanks um but yeah as I said I think it's more of an educated um client clientele coming in these days they know more what they want uh and then not necessarily in specifics but they know the overall mood that they want to create and then you have to figure out how to get there mm.
0: yeah yeah, that is a big change from um, just give us some options for events and show us what right. you could do, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing, too, with the proposals that are going out now, there's always got to be a lot of options. You know, you have to throw their kitchen sink out there because they want to see all the possibilities. And it's not so tailored, custom, detail driven, uh, at least in the initial stages. You know, it's right. like, you know, here's the here's all the options and see which one sticks to the wall, you know? And then you can, you can drill down a little bit, but when you're doing that in four weeks or six weeks, that's tough.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Tough to get the, to get the money where it needs to be.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and making sure the buy-in is where it is. and needs to be right. Because sometimes, you know, you can get everything to the client, but you're still beholden to wait for a, A response, a decision, which can sometimes eat up a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to get down to the nitty gritty. This is our (laughs) wrap. Five questions that we'd like to ask you to end our our broadcast.
1: (gasps) The balladified five.
0: These are the deep (laughs) ones, my friend.
2: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm ready. Hit me.
0: Sam Cavell. What is your golden rule?
2: Be nice to people. Just be what? nice.
0: And you are. You just, are always so pleasant.
2: Just be nice, honestly. Because that, that is the only thing worth any real value in this industry, and I think most industries, is yep. the people you meet along the way. Yep. Right? And you know what else? Pick up the phone and talk to people. Don't just communicate on text or email because that's not how you build relationships, you know. The picking up of the phone and having a conversation with someone, you can hear the tone in their voice. You can hear meanings that you may not get from an email if it's, you know, constructed quickly and and just to get it off, you know. It's so important. And, And the relationships in this industry are everything. They are the only thing that matters. And um, you can't build those relationships if you don't talk to folks. So can
1: I add? Don't be afraid to be personal. Yeah, it's okay to truly to ask and truly listen and care when you when you say this. How are you today? Especially if you hear it in their voice. I'll stop a conversation and say, "No, let's back it up. Something's going on with you. What's going on?"
2: Right. That's it's really a good thing to do, and you can only do that when you're on the phone or a a Zoom like this. Like you. You have to, you know, have to listen to people, but um, but making those personal uh, connections—that's the key thing. Just, and if something goes wrong, it's not because someone torpedoed you; it's because a mistake was made, and we all make mistakes, right? Right. So don't be mean. Right. Um, You know, it's just an event. It, Mm -hmm. you know, it will, it will be okay.
0: (laughs) And the great thing about being a warm delightful, kind person is that when you see someone after not seeing them for 10 or 15 years, they want to give you a hug.
2: Right. Oh, I know. Right. They
0: don't want to say, look, I don't want to see that guy yeah. again.
2: It was right. so great to it see was, you. Oh, oh I, what God. a surprise.
0: I wasn't expecting that.
2: I know you were. at all. Nobody I told was. me
0: Sam was coming.
2: I was. I, was, I,
0: was oh, expecting- I couldn't wait you. to
2: see you. But you know, it's like, that's the key thing. Like as soon as we knew we were coming out to San Diego for an event, I, you know, I told my colleagues, it's like, you have to call Anthony, you know, door. And, and that's those, those relationships, even though it's a long way, a long way out, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen you. They last, they mean. They last. Everything.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is yeah. the one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success?
2: Ooh, I, I read this. One. Okay. So I have I found this motto, and it was actually from my predecessor in this job. He had put it on a syllabus, and I oh. love it. I, it's become my mantra. It's an it's a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. and it's "Make use of scraps of time.
0: Very good.
2: Yeah, so like if you've got ten minutes, and you're like, oh, that's not enough time for me to do X, Y, Z. I'm just going to watch telly or <laughs> get on my, right. you know, check my emails, whatever. Don't do that. You know, you can actually achieve stuff in 10 minutes. There's there's things you can get off your plate. You know, if you've got that organized mind to be, have things listed in your head of what's got to be done, you don't have to waste time. You know,
0: a I lot like gets
2: achieved in little bits, little scraps of time. The time.
0: Beautifully said. What are the things you tell yourself when no one else is listening? What is your self-dialogue like?
2: Stop whinging. Whinging. Yeah, stop whinging. Stop whining.
0: Whining. Oh Oh, my God, are you a whiner? I've never, I would never guess that.
2: No, like sometimes you, you feel a bit sorry for yourself. You're like, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so yeah, bogged yeah, down. We all get down thought, there, I went down yeah. my plate, poor, pitiful me. And it's like, well, <laughs> you put yourself there, number one, right? And number two is, you know, some people have real troubles. And right. put it in perspective. That's what I try to tell myself, you mm-hmm. know. When I'm like, oh, you know, how am I ever going to get all this done? And it's like, shut up and just do it.
0: I love, and I love that about you. And let's not <laughs> take ourselves too seriously while we're at it, right? Yeah,
2: that's always a good thing. Always uh, good advice.
0: Uh, what is the change you'd like to see in the industry? If you could make one change. What would that be?
2: Get rid of emails.
0: <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree with you more.
2: Um, no, I mean. I just see so much miscommunication happening. Like emails should be a backup to the phone call that you just had, you know. Um, there's so much miscommunication between emails and texts. It's like uh, that's where I see a lot of young people going astray in the industry is that they're so reliant. Oh, well, I sent an email. <laughs> well, did you talk to them? Because they obviously didn't get it or they didn't read it the way you intended it. Um so clarification by actual real communication, person to person,
0: not emails. Great, great advice. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. And then, why? What is your why? Why, hey Sam? Why? Why oh, do you do forty two? Forty two.
2: <laughs> That's the answer to the life, life, the universe, and everything, isn't it?
0: I don't know. 42. That's what a, does that Hitchhiker's mean?
2: Hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Yep. See, I'm, yep. I'm a sci-fi oh. nerd. Oh. You know, yep. yeah. Right. Um, my why. I don't know. Try try to be happy. Try to be happy wherever you are. And it's a struggle sometimes. I'm not very good at it. Um, but that's the only point, right? That's the only point. Um, try to do, try to leave good things behind you, you know. We're all going to be forgotten at some point, right? But we can do things that leave a legacy that maybe doesn't have our name on it, but we know we're in there. You know, that's um, beautiful. Yeah, I don't know. That's not it's kind of vague, but...
0: well. No, and sometimes it's just the small things that matter most. And you know, we all expect such mm-hmm. big things from ourselves, but. It's a kind word. It's a word of advice. It's passing down something learned. I mean, those small moments are what keep you in people's memories and, you know, what sort of elongates your life, if you will.
2: I think that's true. And, you know, the more I've interacted with students, and quite honestly, students are far and away the very best part of this job. I have learned so much from dealing with students from all different walks of life. Um, people who are holding down two jobs and trying to keep a family together as a single parent coming to university to get their degree and and getting straight A's. And I, it blows my mind, like, how do you right. do this? Because I could, there's no way I could do that. And yet people just do it. You know, I'm just, I'm constantly blown away at the capacity of, of young people to do incredible things. And, um, yeah. I take a lot of joy in that.
0: That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, oh, First gosh. of all, just getting to chat with you is the delight of the day because, you know, it's been a long time than the lunch we had. And hearing your perspective is really key because you've been in the industry for a long time. You've seen so many changes. and, you're still here to talk about it.
2: Yeah. I'm standing on one leg, but yeah. On one leg, right. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh-huh. got Three fingers on the one hand and two right. on the other, but
1: you're still okay. And a <laughs> musket behind you're
2: you. Still alive.
0: Right. right. <laughs>
2: yeah, but yeah, but that's true of you too. I mean, and, and a lot of folks in the industry, like, I don't know, I, the people who are still here doing it are doing it because it means something that, that's important that they love, you know? Um, yeah. Otherwise you get out. And I got out. I did. I got out for a while, but this job is like the mafia. You can never really leave. You
0: can you could never, you can check out, but you can't Hotel leave.
1: California.
0: <laughs> That's right. I am well, so glad that you couldn't leave because that means that I'll get to see you more and that we have a date looming. So it's, you're not going anywhere, which is great. And uh, I can't wait to come to New Orleans again because it's been a, it's been a minute since I've hey, been in time
2: and you, and Mardi Gras is about to roll next week.
0: It so. is. It is. So you'll see me never after been. Mardi Gras. Yeah. yeah. I've never, I've, I'm not sure that I've got the the chutzpah for Mardi Gras, but. Oh,
2: uh, me neither. Look, if you do Mardi Gras day, it's great because you can start at nine and it can be over at noon. If you wish, you know,
0: which is for me. I can only imagine. <laughs> we'll talk about that in another uh, broadcast
2: this has been so much fun I love thank you, you so much
0: professor cavell for joining mm-hmm. us and uh for for just sharing all your know-how with us thank you so much
1: so lovely meeting you my pleasure thank you guys
0: and you look fabulous yes Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified.
1: If you haven't already, please like and subscribe.
0: And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast.
1: Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment.
0: Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging.